2: Okay, gentlemen, NYC Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Hands in, pod on three. One, two, three.
3: Pod. (laughs)
2: Pod. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast from a rooftop penthouse apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York State. Um, with me, Tim, with JB.
3: Uh, no, the body that used to in- encase <laughs> JB <laughs> is now here. And Phil. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Right, so we should get... Let's hear a bit more music. We,
0: little we, little. we should
2: get um, excuses in early. This is going to be a short podcast.
1: Thank goodness, Tim. Thank goodness. I'm not sure we could last a full uh, hour and
3: 10, hour and 15, what we normally do. Uh, and I think we'll put out uh, what, a full one on Tuesday?
2: Yeah. So this is a, an advanced thank you for being patient with us, for being understanding and for waiting for the full Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. But um, we, don't, we didn't want to disappoint. We wanted to make sure you had something early in the week. And so we're giving you
1: something. We're giving you all we can muster. So... So imagine your Monday commute when you're probably listening to this. We will be waking up in NYC. Uh, we've had a couple of beers today. Not not too many, but a couple of beers today. So uh, when you're doing your commute, just think of us struggling.
2: I, I like to think that what we've been through over these past four days together is oh, I just think of those Living With Lions DVDs. And you think of the speeches, Willie John, John McBride's saying to Paul O'Connell and the rest of the, the troops, There'll be a days in the future and Ian McGee can say, when you look, you'll, you'll walk down the street and you'll, you'll look into the eyes of another guy and you'll know, no words will need to be spoken, but you'll know what you've been through.
3: Great men do great things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, been,
3: it's been a tough shift, Tim.
1: It's been a tough few days working over here. Uh, but I'm going I'm to put, put the hours
3: in and we're going to reap the rewards. Well, Why don't we talk briefly about the London Irish game and we can do everything else on Tuesday.
2: Yes, I mean, we can talk briefly about England Wales as well because those are the two games we've actually seen. Oh, we did see Scotland France as well. Phil and I kind of dozed, stupefied, slightly hungover through uh, Scotland France as well. A fantastic win there. But yeah, the two games we've really seen are the live one that we saw, yep. which was London Irish against Saracens. And we, we got up very early US time to go and spend a fantastic morning in New Jersey with Bayonne Rugby Club watching oh. England v
3: Wales. If I ever move to New York, which is about 50-50 at the moment, well, no, not that that move that I don't go home, Uh, uh, Bayon Rugby Club would be my club of choice. Yeah. If if you live in New York, if you're visiting New York,
1: if you've ever been to, or ever going to go to New York, meet with the Bayon Rugby boys. They are brilliant. They were great fun. They looked after us. We had a superb time. Slightly helped by uh, by the result. Um... But at the end, I think JB was a little bit more excited than we were because of the way the game went.
3: Oh, exactly right.
1: Exactly right.
2: We'll get on to the game in a second. But I think, just broadly speaking, the one takeaway I would take from the whole US excursion, Egg Chasers Rugby podcast on tour in NYC, which I hope becomes a, an annual event for the Aviva Premiership. I really do. Because I would recommend anybody comes over to this place. It's incredible. But the one thing that I would take away is, above all else, the, the culture... Which is a, was, was a dirty word through the World Cup for the Egg Chasers podcast, wasn't it, JB? No, no, culture's a destination, not a journey. <laughs> yep. But the culture of rugby union is alive and well on the other side of the Atlantic, and it doesn't matter whether they're American, and we've met
3: people from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and we've been out drinking with them. Yeah, the, the American Rugby Podcast guys. We've met the media manager for United States Rugby, um, Matt... McCarthy. Matt McCarthy, thank you. Um just a phenomenal rugby scene here, and it's exactly as you would expect from any
2: rugby club uh, up and down the UK. Rugby doesn't matter how much you drink, you'll you'll be lovers, not fighters, and you'll you'll have a great time. And we have.
1: Well, it was, it was Darren, Darren from uh, Bayon Rugby Club, who really looked after us. Had a really good time with them. He said it's uh, to kind of coin a, an American phrase: it's the biggest frat house in the world, because wherever you go. If you've got rugby
3: in common, you'll have a good time. Right.
1: I've just shed a solitary tear right there.
3: <laughs> Enough of how these boys have been playing. Let's talk about letting the boys play in um, internationally, England, Wales.
2: Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk that. Oh my God, I love this game so much. Well, let, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just rewind slightly. So I had the most amazing sixty minutes of rugby, standing with JB watching England <laughs> Wales.
3: I had one of the most amazing. Um, uh, about 40 minutes of rugby because this this game went exactly as I thought it might do I predicted Wales to lose uh, and they duly lost but I had no idea how proud I, w- I would be of, of of those Welsh boys uh, um, after 80 minutes and like I was saying to both of you it's like having a child you don't necessarily want it to win all the time you just want it to make you proud and you couldn't be more proud of these warriors they don't give in They ne- they never stop but for the first 40 minutes, you were not a proud man. No, what I said is the game was a series of very small battles. I don't think England were much better than Wales. I don't think Wales were much worse than England. What
1: game were you
2: watching? Uh, no.
3: first, 40, first 40 was, but was they lost all, it,
1: the battles England, yeah. the mini battles exactly England. Exactly right.
3: All the miniature battles went to England, and that's what accumulated all, um, all these points. So it wasn't the one team running away that... Versus the other, well, well, that's rugby. Well, that's how it's done. No, I, I don't. I, Clive Woodward says the World Cup was won with the little one I, I, I don't disagree with him. But if you were getting an absolute hammering and you were missing your tackles and you're doing all um, all that sort of sort, sort, sort of stuff, clean line breaks, etc., etc., well, then that's a problem. This, what what happened to Wales? First off, wasn't really a problem. They just needs it improve everything they did by about 5%. And second half, that's exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. They did in the second half, but particularly towards the end, uh,
1: the yellow card massively helped, but the yellow card was born out of pressure from Wales, and it was from them, uh, like, that, that, towards the end of the second half, they started doing the basics correctly, and they started right. winning those mini back- battles. So if you took a look at it over the course of the whole game, it was a lot more even, and a lot more re- representative of the, the overall score. Oh. And, and, and do you know what else they did, what, what Wales did? Because they had to,
2: because they, no, they lost their effort at the arm Tim. wrestle. They, they had to try something and do what I've been saying for the whole of this Six Nations tournament, which is let the boys play, to coin a JB phrase, un, unfurl the leash and let them go.
3: Okay. Because so. Wales have frustrated me in their opening three games. Wales are a magnificent team, and the key word here is team. Well, the way that they play, uh, they are a greater team than the sum of their parts. So you need to... you. Oh, what was that? that's no, no, fine. Keep going. Keep going. Hey. So what you need to appreciate uh, is that there is no other, no other way to play. They, uh, and this is why it's so impressive. You're 16 points down or 19 points down or whatever it was, and they still did the same things over and over again until they pressure that yellow card and then they can open up they are a very smart team but more importantly they're very disciplined and the most important thing in all all of rugby you've got to buy into it and they buy into it 100% England were the better team and all credit all, all credit to them and the brilliant leadership from, from Hartley I think Jones has turned it around magnificently but Wales made me very very proud
1: it's it's interesting, Tim. One of the things you've been saying in the Six Nations is that you don't feel like the Northern Hemisphere teams have progressed from where they were in the World Cup. And this is perhaps a good example of how Wales have progressed from where they were in the World Cup, because against Australia, Australia lost two men to the bin, mm. and Wales just kept on playing one-out one out rugby, like dull base, like no intelligence at all. Whereas when England lost Dan Cole, who is not an expansive, not uh, like he's not he's Cheating not fast. There's, no, there's no there's no pace there. He doesn't add much to the defensive line in in any respects, apart from in the tight. But Wales did identify the space and they utilised that space. And if you can compare the two things and see how Wales have progressed from that Australia game, this is perhaps a good example of them learning and then progressing.
2: What what I would maybe argue, God, with our voices are uh, ropey. <laughs> Well, I've got to do the announcing for Man City v Dynamo Kiev on Tuesday night. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Good
3: luck. Sergio,
2: goal scored by Sergio Aguero. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, what what I would potentially argue is, actually, that's a really fair and reasoned point that Phil makes. However, what I would say is that that wasn't, any sort of plan that is because they were in such a dire situation nope. they had to dig themselves out of yeah. a 19-0 yeah. deficit yeah. it was like on. they had no other choice and actually they've done the right thing because they had to completely throw what Gatlin wanted them to do out the window
3: no. no 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 no. so if Dan Cole stays on the field um, oh, you think that was Gatlin's plan let's try and get Dan Cole in the no, bin no no, no 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 I don't think it is if Dan yeah. Cole stays on the field England win by a significantly bigger margin significantly Dan Cole, Dan Cole go, goes off Wales can then adapt. The strategy Wales used for the first in 70 minutes, was exactly the right one. Even though they they weren't winning exactly the right one, because there was no other way to play. The facts of the matter are, England are better than Wales in the, in that 70 minutes. You've got to give the England players credit. You can't just say it comes down to Wales not being able to win rugby games. There are two teams involved. England did very very well, and you're overlooking that.
2: I think we, I think we should explore this Uh, further in a full podcast. (laughs) I don't feel like I have the mental capacity. Hold
0: up! What was that?
3: uh, can we just talk about one, one other thing in the Wales game? Maybe the funniest use of the TML yeah. I have ever seen ever. <laughs> uh, so we've got a situation where there is illegal. Okay, let, let me ask the first question. Was there illegal uh, contact with the eyes? Uh, there was contact with the eye region. Was it reckless?
2: Well, was it? Did you think it uh, was? Wrong? It was inconsequential. It was in. It was completely
1: accidental. Oh yeah. It, it was reckless. But it was accidental. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it was deliberate. But it was reckless. Definitely reckless because he has made contact with the eyes, and you, you can't do anything. Like, if you're making contact with the eyes, that is reckless and that is
3: dangerous. Can you stop accidents happening? I don't know. I. It's very. I mean, I don't think Tom Francis is a um, is a serial eye gouger because I think we'd all know about it. You know, it's not something which you just decide to do in heat of the moment in an international match when you're about to get back into it. Okay. So, is, but is he a rugby player? That's the.
0: Yeah, another no, no, big question no, about Tom no, Francis.
3: No. This is where it, um, yes, that's, that's, quite, that's quite true. Um, <laughs> this is the big deal for me, which is if you decide, as a referee, as an official, contact has been made with the eyes, illegal or illegally, that in, that player has got to be sent off. It, it isn't ifs or buts or oh, it was only a minor gouge. They've got to go. I I so, well?
2: I um, um, I I do see similarities with Mike Brown, and the boot in a ruck. I see direct similarities with this,
3: That's not bad. That's not and with
2: Mike Brown, I said oh, clearly his intention was to positively affect the outcome and not no negative <laughs> intentions. So let the boys play, but I kind of go well. Just we've got to let this stuff slide. I think it was a great
1: example in the Scotland game of of a referee doing just that. The the lead law pullback on on the the six coming through for the uh, Duncan Ta- Duncan Taylor, a great, very good, quick thinking. Beats uh, Vakaraua and gases it in, and the laid law gives like, a hand on a shirt. And yes, there was contact with the shirt, on. but it wasn't, it wasn't a put, it did not materially affect the outcome of that tray,
3: so it should be a tray. Let me just get back to the video ref decision. <laughs> right, sorry, I think we're skidding over it. Okay. So we've gone through is it uh, dirty, is it not dirty, and so on and so forth. Let's talk about the video ref um, officiating here. What was the question? I think I was was about five or six guinnesses deep. I have no recollection. I'm not sure what the question was, right? (laughs) It doesn't matter. The question doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what we had is Alex Cuthbert, the athletic, lean Alex Cuthbert, (laughs) lying down. You can see his face clearly. You can see um, the very lean, very small... Again, athletic, Scrumhoff, Gareth Davis, also in that yep, ruck area. Yep, lean athletic, I'd describe him like that, yeah. And there was one other guy, who was Thomas Francis. <laughs> <laughs> so when the referee comes up and says, uh, OK, we need to have a talk now, and it's unclear whose hands have been near, near <laughs> someone's face. Why, didn't, why wasn't the question... Um, uh, was there tomato sauce on his fingers? Did you see any pasties underneath his sausage hands? It's, it is not Scuffbert's hand. It is not. It is not um, Davis's hand. It, you've got the Michelin man reaching over, messing around with his nose. Oh, wow. The worst use ever of the, the TMO. I, I, I could have told you that, and I've got no background in investigations whatsoever. Oh dear. <clears throat> so. England
2: were incredible. And let's just take a moment to mention our prize winning Marrow. Oh,
1: what a game. What a game. He was superb right from the start. 10 minutes in, and uh, Wales have a line out on England's 22. They go to the back back ball. Oh, that was so one, one of the most difficult ones yeah. to defend. And Marrow reads it, gets up, and deflects it down. Oh, and yeah. that, that was kind of. Uh, indicative of the way he played throughout the whole game. He was just disruptive and, and difficult to play. In the first 40 minutes, the way he and the rest of the England pack made it so difficult for the Welsh set-piece. Um, so the Welsh set-piece, the scrums, the line-outs and the breakdown was superb.
3: Yeah, I, I'm a big believer now. I I was kind of indifferent. I was thinking, is this too much hype? Now, I've seen it and I fully am bought into tomorrow being. A very, very good second row, and he's going to develop into a world-class one. I
2: Twenty-one, yeah. Oh, it's frightening.
3: Well, the example that Phil gave um, about that uh, back back ball steal. I mean, yes, you've got lifters uh, who are helping him out, but that's really technically difficult. The, you know, if your throw is good enough to get to the back ball, that should be one of the hardest, ho- the hardest balls to steal. Fantastic!
2: The, the intelligence he he just arrives in the right place, right time, yeah. does the right thing,
3: makes the right well, decision. Do you think? I don't even think that's was the most. Here is the thing, that wasn't his his most impressive contribution. You know, getting over the ball, the jackal when the Welsh or um, pressing forward in England Twenty Two, um, uh, two hits on a very very quick and very good good scrum half. He's he's a very a
2: runner. Player. He hits Dan Lydiate and then makes a couple of yards after contact yeah. he's, oh, he's just what
3: a specimen couldn't agree more I think he's a a, a marvellous player and I suppose most Saracens fans would tell you this anyway
2: and what, and what we want to make sure we do is uh, I mean I know the Guardian have referred to prize winning Marrow no, uh, it. as a f-
3: small victory it's a small victory
2: well you know what I, I look at it like this I'm not trying to say we came up with that because no, actually we didn't.
3: one of our Twitter followers did
2: yeah well, well one of our listeners did but we know we are the mo- we have the most informed entertaining, uh, educated, smart, fun, rugby audiences anywhere. Yeah. We, we know this. Agreed. So one of our listeners came up with the phrase prize-winning marrow, but it's now being adopted by uh, the Guardian newspaper, and it will become a big thing. I think prize-winning marrow is going to be a phrase which, uh, which, is, it, it, which is stolen, but some are, all I'd say is some lead, some follow.
3: Let's just celebrate our position as thought leaders. <laughs> and, and Martin Bayfield.
1: Retweeted, uh, not even retweeted. uh, It was his own tweet recognizing the prize-winning marrow.
3: There Uh, you you go.
2: Right, London Irish. London Irish. I think I think one mention should go. We should go straight from England to a guy that was left on the sidelines for England, and had a superb game. Alex Good.
3: Oh, he is such a good player. Um, We were watching the game with two American journalists, and you just have to uh, you just have to point out. Alex Good as an excellent example of what a skillful rugby player looks like he is I mean I've been I've been singing his praises for a long time you guys like Mike Brown I love Alex Good. I think he's a phenomenal phenomenal rugby player
1: I like Alex Good. I really like Alex Good. and the way he plays he, the way he's utilised in Saracens as, as that kind of second receiver yeah. the second pivot does a lot of the kicking takes a lot of the pressure off the 10 is brilliant I, going back to the England-Wales, I thought Mike Brown was absolutely oh, he was ex- so good. exceptional. He was fantastic the whole game. And I don't think you would have got the same in that scenario of Alex Good. They're different players, and I'm quite glad that Brown is picked for
3: England. But uh, Good is a very, very adequate replacement. Well, uh, I'll tell you a couple of things which I saw from Red Bull Stadium, uh, game-related now. First of all, I think Jackson Ray is a lot better player in real life when you watch him than on TV. Uh, you start to, uh, like, uh, I, J- Jackson Ray is one of those guys who uh, uh, I've had a, a bit of a pop-out at the past. Just because it's fairly funny, he scores eight or nine hat-tricks a season all during LV Cup time. <laughs> right, that's, uh, that. But,
1: but is Jackson Ray, is he an eight? Oh, I think he is. No, I think he is. No, I think Saracen's next season, they need to sign a proper alternative eight to Billy. No,
3: I disagree. I think he's a, I think he's a very good ball carrier, and that's one of the things which surprised me most, looking at his footwork, the way he carries the ball. Uh, very, very very impressive.
2: Let's talk about another guy in that back row. Go on. I'm, it, it it almost brings a tear to my eye when I think about it. So after the game, um, mm. we had a chat in the tunnel with a certain Mr. Jack Berger, and... And I said to him, "Jack, that's another one gone. How many
3: games left?" Yeah, you you literally asked him exactly the same question that I just finished as, um, asking him. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, but it, I, it, and, I I just watched and, him
2: put everything yeah. out there, much like you know we entered the big city of New York, we well, we, we entered the Big Apple, we we put our bodies on the line. To, we did everything we could we've we been 100%ers we
3: are very very similar to Jack Berger in the terms of effort that we put into our podcasting
2: um, Jack Berger well, we wanted to soak up the entire city we've experienced everything it's got to offer we've lost our voices just like Jack Berger pays no regard for his yep. personal welfare and safety while he's on a rugby let field let me just
3: say this okay? Uh, if you love 15 men that put, every, put everything in uh, into the cause uh, and the discipline and do their, do their jobs you'll love Wales if you like that embodied in one man, you will love Chuck Berger. So he's but he's going to be gone soon. It's a shame, is it? It's a shame. It's, it's a shame. I, do you know what? Let's just celebrate the remaining games that we're going to watch him. Mm. But uh, he was very lovely to us, and he's now our little
2: Twitter banner <laughs> at Rugby Podcast. Can, can I just say this
3: from a kind of um, from from our point of view, where we talk about rugby players all the time, and you are removed, you know, because you don't really know the lads. You watch them on t- t- TV or the rest of it. Uh, it gets increasingly harder to make jokes about certain certain individuals because every one of them that we've met this weekend has been at, uh, courteous to the courteous to the utmost. All tremendous, tremendous, tremendous lads. Which is going to be, for instance, it's going to be very hard for me to make any more uh, Tom Court jokes. Oh, Tom!
2: Listen out to the full podcast because we have Tom Court, we have Luke Narrowway of London Irish, we also have Saracens. Representative, former player Hugh Vivian, who was
3: uh, so much fun. Yes, and we've got a game for you as well, which you'll hear on the full podcast, which is Knowing Me, Knowing Hugh. Aha!
0: Hold up!